Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. We're going international this week. We are. We are. But first, I have to apologize to you. For what? My co-host. It was brought to my attention that my um, lateness is rude and that I take advantage of you and that you're always here and you always make excuses for me. So I want you to know that I'm going to recommit myself to be here on time. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, no apology necessary. You know, I think I, uh, you like you like to keep me on my toes, and it's kind of helped me a lot. So, you know, you're my partner in crime, <laughs> Thelma Lu- and Thelma I'm Louise. Saying, so. I'm, I'm not saying that I will never make that phone call again. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we have... It's been we, a busy week. People busy have week. really been fighting for the coast this week. I mean, it's been nuts crazy. Yeah. Just, all so over much this going week. on. So, yeah. yes, total crazy. But we are very excited for our guests that we have today. We also have lots to talk about that's coming up in the weeks to come. Yeah. And so uh, we need to make sure that we talk really fast. Yes. Um, and, and we can get all that covered. Well, uh, let's talk about a little bit about the, what's in the news. But in terms sure. of what's coming up, I mean, State of the Coast Conference yeah. is just, what, two weeks away? Yeah, we had Corey on the past show mm-hmm. talking about restoration on the half shell. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit more uh, later because it's, it's just a great opportunity for folks to um, to get into coastal in a really easy kind of way. And we are excited to announce that Delta Dispatches is going to have a first Yay! at State of the Coast. We are going to be going live, live from State of the Coast at the uh, poster reception, talking to hopefully a lot of the great people that will be there, a lot of yeah. experts. So. Maybe it'll be like our Christmas show where people like came in and, and did surprise appearances, yes. like yes. Know This Voice. Um, hopefully it is a primer for our next on-location show um, which we hope our one of our guests here can help us yes, with. Yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Paris, right? Is uh-huh. that where our guest yeah, is from? Yes. So, hey, I'm all for that. At the end of this that. show, we I'm will commit our that. guests yes. to let us come to Paris <laughs> so, and do a show. Um, but <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what's in the news. I mean, we have to highlight sometimes, you know, we aren't don't always have wins on coastal issues. Sure. Sometimes there are some setbacks. And definitely. this week, we definitely experienced one of those. Um, you want to talk a little bit, about, little bit about that? No, I'll let you. Okay. <laughs> I'll add color commentary. Okay. Well, um, you know, one of the things that we've been tracking closely in this legislative session is, um, you know, surplus dollars, mainly the fact that um, in prior years where there has been a surplus and people are like, why is there a surplus? I hear everything right. about the budget deficit, deficit, but it's just the way that the, the kind of the funds Money are managed. And and, yeah. yep. um, you know, in prior years, administrations have swept uh, the coastal right. fund and right. taken, you know, $12 million from mm-hmm. the coastal fund that could go to, you know, financing um, operations and really helping make sure that the people who are putting the projects on the ground can do that. Um, and so, you know, our groups have been really advocating now's an opportunity now that you have these surplus dollars to pay back the coastal fund. Right. And right. set that message that, you know, Louisiana is entrusting um, what we have and doing the most with that we can with with the funding that we have. And so we really were pushing for that. Unfortunately, we saw this week that that was not going to be paid back. And in yeah. fact, it was going to a fund called the Special Events Incentive Fund, which I think from what I understand funds everything from. Uh, I don't know, soccer matches to bowling, bowling to, uh, you know, picnics. I don't know. So but- I think I think the most fair way, and, and we were talking about this a little, to describe this, it would be as though I took a dollar out of out of my kid's piggy bank, you know, because I needed the money. And it's true. You know, they, they mm-hmm. were trimming back uh, expenditures at the state. And so they were able to take some money from places that are protected. So piggy banks protected, right? So coastal funds is protected. 
but they they needed the money right so they they took some money out so i took a couple of dollars out of my kids piggy bank right and i was afforded the opportunity to pay it back right it but instead of paying it back and putting the money where i took it from my two adorable children in the first place i went and got myself a daiquiri not not it's pretty sad it's it's tough it's really tough especially when we have this message about how much um how much of a need there is Mm -hmm. for coastal how urgent it is how important it is that every dollar makes a huge difference so it's been really true i mean you know we talk a lot about obviously we need more funding for coastal restoration and protection the master plan is not fully funded you know obviously we can't do this on our own we're asking for help from the federal government and others you know, and, and if we can't be entrusted with that money, you know, what message is that sending? And there was a Times Picayune article by Mark Schlefstein that kind of covers it that I'd, I'd recommend people go to get the details on the on the um, the story and what happened. And but Steve Cochran, our campaign director, said, you know, the Senate committee and administration amendment resulted in a basketball game or a bowling tournament or something like that being chosen over coastal restoration part, right? and protection. Yeah, Louisiana has a lot of needs and we're we're not in the best position right now financially and everybody understands that right there are people who are fighting for very very important needs and so i think i think coastal is is certainly a priority of this state and that would have been so much easier to um, understand that these other things do you know they have a a now now priority Um, that that would have been easier to digest than Oh, these other mm-hmm. tournament things, which sure they're revenue generating, all that kind of stuff. Well, did you know that the Caminata Shoreline project had an 80 member crew that worked around the clock? I mean, that's money too, right? Mm-hmm. So that's been the kind of and what is it protecting to too? Exactly, right? exactly. So you're exactly right about that. So that that's one of well, the you know we'll, things. we'll have to continue to monitor and watch sure. it. And of course, we're you know doing what we can to you know advocate that funding stays protected for the coast and more funding is generated. So we'll keep you updated. Yes. Of course, this is, you know, a long uh, journey. And so there will there will be setbacks. But um, I will say, though, that, um, you know, one of the reasons why we brought our guests in um, for today is that, you know, this is a um, this is a problem that others are willing to help us talk through and that, you know, maybe there's experience experiencing similar issues or in some cases, the exact opposite issues. And what the Water Institute did this week in Baton Rouge was bring some of those folks together in, in uh, a summit or a conference that they called 10 Across. And so that's what some of our guests are here mm-hmm. to talk about today. So, and you were there today. You're not yeah. talking just like. Oh, people from across parishes and stuff. Even though we love no, that collaboration, no, we're talking from yeah, like yeah. across interstate states, 10, exactly. across countries. Yeah. You know, people. So, yeah. so as much as that is, you know, sometimes you lose the battle on the home front, but you know, something like this, there were a lot of people in, in Baton Rouge at the Water Institute that were certainly, you know, trying to help us with how we can get information out, how we can talk about it, what Louisiana can do from their own experiences. Uh, which are similar. And like I said, some of which are, are just so the opposite. So we do want to just bring in first, we'll bring in uh, Jeff Bear. We're so glad to have Jeff. He's the Vice President of Adaptation and Resilience at the Water Institute of the Gulf. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Simone. Um, we've had Scott Hemmerling on yep. and uh, Justin Aaronworth, and we've been dying to have you on. You're a city boy. You should have been here. <laughs> <laughs> We're so happy to have you. Um, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, so, uh, my work in uh, sort of in this environment that we're talking about today really goes back to Hurricane Katrina. And um, I was living out of state at the time. Uh, Katrina happened and I knew I had to come home and help rebuild. And what that meant for the state was really thinking about uh, 
not just the city of New Orleans, but all the 35 parishes that were affected by Katrina and Rita. Um, and not just from a development perspective. My background is uh, architecture, urban design, and urban planning. But from uh, a perspective of what's going on in the coastal parishes and how the coastal parishes, the effects of the environment on coastal parishes and the way people live, how important it was to transition our coastal communities both in the city of New Orleans and outside the city of New Orleans across the coast. And I, I always like to give a special shout out to Southwest Louisiana, who always feels left We've out. We've had Lori Cormier on, yeah. the, on this show. She's so, gotten us before. So from, from river to river, from Fair. the state line to the state line, the importance of what happens in coastal Louisiana predicts our future economically, population-wise, uh, and the health of the environment that protects the entire rest of the state. So that was 12 years ago. Um, I've still been doing that work. I worked for the state for a while for the Louisiana Recovery Authority on these issues on on statewide planning. Um, contributed uh, to the first coastal master plan um, from the Louisiana Speaks work that we did. Um, and then continued that work uh, into the city of New Orleans, where I, for eight years I worked for Mayor Landrew and uh, worked on issues related to the environment, how we build a city, moving the city to a more integrated green infrastructure, living with water perspective. Uh, and still kept in touch with a lot of the work going on in the coast. So, um, you know, it's been a full circle for me in about a dozen years. Um, <laughs> but I'm really happy to be here, really happy to be at the Water Institute now. I left the city in December and started with the Water Institute in January, working on really how do we connect uh, the amazing science and modeling uh, and engineering that our folks are doing at the Water Institute to the built environment, uh, not just in places like Baton Rouge and Lake Charles in New Orleans, but also in places like Homa, Thibodeau, uh, Shout out. all these places that are having similar issues as sort of the larger places. So I'm happy to be here for that. Um, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about lessons learned that we got over yeah, the past few sure. days, but thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and we're really excited. There's so much more we want to dig into and certainly speak to your colleague um, who's joining us from uh, Paris. We have to head into a break right now, but we're right, we'll be right back um, shortly with Jeff Abair. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back, and you're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. I'm on the other side of the desk. <laughs> Moving on the other side. Bears versus us. And now I know what <laughs> BJ does on this side all the time. There's like buttons he told me not to touch and all kinds of Uh-oh. stuff. So. She's, behind, she's behind the control room. I am. Uh, it's dangerous. I am. So, Simone, when we started this podcast and radio show, we said... We asked people, what happens when a Terrio and an A-Bear walk into a radio station? We are like on A-Bear overload. What today, happens so. when two A-Bears walk into a radio <laughs> I station? I don't know. I guess we, we're about to find out, right? <laughs> <laughs> in a mayor mayor. <laughs> right. We'll bring Sebastian in in just a minute. 
So we were talking with you, Jeff, and I've, I've heard you so eloquently articulate this in so many different settings. Um, but, you know, the fact that New Orleans is a coastal city, right, and that we are threatened by the loss of our wetlands, by sea level rise, and, of course, storms that have inundated our city, like as we saw with Katrina. Of course, now we're also more increasingly threatened by rain and heavy rain, as we saw with the uh, August floods of last year. Can you talk a little bit about what living with water means and how people understand that, like, hey, it's not just about rainfall and drainage, even though that's important, right? It's yep. it's a more interconnected system. Yep. So, you know, I like to start by saying uh, the people of Louisiana, South Louisiana, have historically been really, really smart about what to do and how to live with our environment. So we're sitting in New Orleans right now um, where we're sitting for 250 years was a city that knew how to manage water because uh, the high ground, which is what we're actually sitting on right now, closest to the river, and you know we could talk about how that built up over thousands of years, but we're on the high ground. Um, the low ground, sort of in the back or back of town, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, is the area which was the natural drainage of the city. I mean, behind where we're sitting today, if you go just a little bit out, that was all cypress uh, swamp. Uh, in French, it was called le Saprière. And that was the drainage for the settlement along the river and, frankly, along the bayous that were in the city, Bayou St. John, Bayou Metairie, uh, Bayou Gentilly, all of these areas that were high ground where people settled. In fact, the Native Americans settled there before um, uh, Europeans uh, and others came to the city. But we knew how to live with water. We built on those natural ridges. If you look at maps of the city of New Orleans, from 70, 1718 from our founding well through uh, the 1910s, we lived uptown, downtown, along the river. Um, we then uh, started to re-engineer the city in the post-war period, the sort of the era of engineering that was saying, well, basically we can conquer nature, we can drain the swampland, we can build on all of it, which was actually economically good for the city because it allowed the city to expand. And not just in New Orleans, by the way. Jefferson Parish did the same thing. St. Bernard Parish did the same thing. But what we did was we then covered over our natural drainage system. Um, we created this amazing pump system, which until very recently did really well for us. Combination of factors happened in New Orleans. One is uh, the lack of investment in infrastructure and keeping that system up the way it should be and managing it appropriately. But the second piece is the amount of rainfall that we're getting today is completely different from what we got before. So we need additional capacity. We cannot just pump our way out of this anymore. So the living with water strategy, which uh, really goes back to work that David Wagner uh, and the Dutch government did after Katrina in helping New Orleans and frankly a lot of South Louisiana, is about how do we go back to what we used to do, which is find areas for the water to go naturally. So what we've been doing for the past six years is working on strat developing solutions and working on strategies to put areas, um, put natural drainage back in the city. So uh, the guests that we will get to in a second and I, uh, we just returned from a tour of the largest of those sites, which is the Mirabeau Water Garden in Gentilly, uh, which will take on about 10 million gallons of water in a rainfall. That area suffers uh, a lot of subsidence because the drainage and the pumping that we've done has sort of caused soil compaction. So you have all those issues, but we also need to retain the water in the area that was actually the water storage area for the city originally. So that's what living with water is. It's not about we want to flood everybody. It's about we have to find more places for water to go. 
Yes, we still have to pump, but for that additional capacity, we've got to go with some green solutions, some nature-based solutions in order for us to live in this city for the next 300 years. Yeah, I mean, it's so important. And then, of course, like our, our wetlands as the multiple lines of defense that kind of buffer the city and provide, you know, that natural storm surge protection yeah. as well. Yeah, you know, Jacques, the way I, I've always termed it is uh, the lines of defense from a New Orleans perspective uh, is what I call a curb to coast perspective. So what you do at the curb, what you do in the sort of the green infrastructure side that I'm talking about inside the protection system, then you have the protection system, then you have the coastal system. And New Orleans can only survive if that entire system is intact and in place. And so what I used to always say is people in New Orleans need to recognize we are a coastal city. And so we should be advocating and on the front lines advocating for projects in Plaquemines Parish, in St. Bernard Parish, in Jefferson Parish, because that's the first line of defense to protect New Orleans. Yeah, and, and so one thing that that we do have in common with all these people, right, which is how you came to 10 across, yep. right? And, and, you know, somebody thinks, well, what in the world does Louisiana have in common with Arizona? And it's like, well, we both have water issues. <laughs> One's a little different than that's the right. other. And I thought y'all did a really good job talking about that. So tell us about that. I mean, that's one thing that you do really well is connect other cities' issues, how you can all learn from each other um, in, in a good way. And, and, you know, we've made mistakes and this is what we've learned or this is what we're trying. You should try it too. So tell us about 10 across yep. and, and kind of how that originated. It's a, it's a really interesting, uh, concept. So 10 across, cause it's not obvious to most people. It wasn't obvious to me at first when I, I was told, Oh, we're participating in this 10 across initiative. 10 across is about I 10 and the I 10 corridor, which starts in Los Angeles and goes all the way to Jacksonville, Florida. And the idea is all of the communities along I-10 tell a story about the United States and the issues that are happening in the United States. And if you use the I-10 corridor as a laboratory, most of the solutions that you will find across uh, that corridor can be used anywhere else in the United States and, frankly, anywhere else in the world. So this is sort of the brainchild of Arizona State University, uh, working in partnership with John Davies at the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, um, that relationship has, has sort of been nurtured for a couple of years, uh, and they decided to start this initiative around water. And so what are the water issues in the East? Well, too much water. What are the issues in the West? Not, Not enough, enough water. water. <laughs> and even in that, um, when we started having conversations with Arizona State, uh, Arizona State University about putting this on, we started to realize that even in those two extremes, there are solutions that are the same. So when you think about living with water strategies and water storage, we're using it because there's too much water on the streets. We don't want flooding. We want it to go down into these water parks or water gardens. They're doing it because they need to retain the water when they do have water uh, so that they can use it again, right? And so it's even though they're extremes, they're similar. So 10, 10 Across came out. We've been planning this for a while. Uh, 200 people were invited to come. We had guests from all over the country and all over the world, scientists, engineers, NGOs, folks from Louisiana, folks from Arizona, uh, to present all of these ideas. And I think you were there. I think it was a more than more of a success than we thought it would be. I agree. And we want to talk about some of the panels and certainly bring in this guest we keep talking about. <laughs> so uh, we'll be back right after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM.
And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz, a bear. I'll be an a bear today. <laughs> you can be an honorary a bear. Everyone's an a bear. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's an a bear. <laughs> um, so we are um, back on the show. We have Jeff A. Bear of the Water Institute. And we're talking about living with water. We're also talking about the 10 Across Conference in uh, that was recently held in Baton Rouge at your beautiful new office. Yeah. Um, what a more picturesque place that you could have than right on the banks of the Mississippi River. I'm going to tell you, I had my doubts about lunch on the dock. I was a little concerned. But what you think? What, it was absolutely lovely, yeah. I must admit. Um, it was about 110 degrees outside, and <laughs> I was thinking, I don't want to go eat lunch on the side of the Mississippi River. Like, But you got a nice breeze, right, from the river. Breeze. It's a little they cooler. Yeah. Job. So There's a reason why people settled on the river. You congratulations. Know. It was really nice. I'll, I'll take back all the mean things I said. But <laughs> <laughs> So you were on a panel, Jeff, and it was called Too Little, Too Late, Learning from Water Extremes. And so you had some folks on that panel, right, that don't have enough water. We've been talking about that. So... Um, this idea that different things connect you. And so what do you think was the biggest takeaway from that panel or, or even the conference in general? I, th- I think um, both from that panel and the conference in general, um, I saw a lot of, including myself, a lot of people through a lot of the panel saying, oh, I didn't know you had that problem. And different people had problems then that you didn't know they had. Like, for example, there was a presentation this morning uh, from uh, the guy who uh, does a lot of the science and modeling at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory for NASA in California. And he showed uh, information on subsidence in the Central Valley of California and how, how much subsidence they've had in California. And I had, I don't think, any, there was a gasp in the room because no one from Louisiana had any idea. And, and let me just be clear, <laughs> the magnitude of the subsidence is beyond what we talk about here. So really? I think there, oh, it's like wow. 20 feet of subsidence. So we were really shocked by that. And so th- then you have conversations about, well, what are you doing about it? And of course, theirs is related to groundwater and some of ours is related to groundwater. And so these sort of things that you didn't even know were connected or places that you didn't know were connected, that's what's good about these kinds of um, conferences or summits is you bring different people together uh, and at, at the end, what this was all about is to find common solutions. I mean, that's why Arizona State, Baton Rouge Area Foundation, the Water Institute, that's why everybody wanted to put this together with the diverse set of people, is to try to find some common solutions. So I think that was my biggest takeaway was was that. So you also, we also have our next guest. We keep talking about him like a legend, <laughs> a rock star, Sebastian Mayer. He, he's a rock star. <laughs> uh, Sebastian Mayer, if I, correct me if I didn't say that. Yes, that's okay. okay. You're that's okay. Uh, on that's a show good. with a bunch of people with French names who can't speak <laughs> French, can't speak except French. for maybe Jeff, I believe you do. <laughs> Je parle français un petit peu. Okay. So apologies in advance. Uh, but, yeah. So Sebastian is the um, chief resilience officer of the city of Paris. So welcome to New Orleans. Thank you very much. I'm really happy to be here. This is your first time here. Yes, my first time in Louisiana and in New Orleans, but I'm glad to visit the city. So we teased about this, but um, you were in Baton Rouge yesterday. So that's like just a little appetizer, a little first course, right? To, to hopefully your New Orleans experience. So tell us about your panel yesterday. Um, my panel, um, I was uh, giving a presentation uh, with one of my counterparts from the 100 Resilient Cities Network um, from Mexico City. And we were asked to present 
our challenge uh, challenge is about water, about river, and I did it for Paris. Very nice. So you are um, also like a deputy mayor of Paris. Is that a correct, fair to say? No, but the, I don't want to go too much into details, but <laughs> yeah. the system is different. In, right. in France, the deputy mayors are elected okay. officials, and it's different than here. No, I'm, I'm part of the administration, technical right. part, and I report to the city manager of the city of Paris. And you work on different issues, too. This is one of the issues, but you also work on social issues and infrastructure and communities, too, though, right? This is one piece of your work. Sure. That's that's the strength of the residence approach, is, is to be able to, to navigate among the different uh, city departments, whatever is the topic, to try to build solutions to face the main challenges of the century, whether it's climate change, social inequity, air pollution, terrorism in Paris, or whatever. Right. So uh, we uh, have had strong leadership at the state level and then locally with different mayors. So is that how it is in Paris to your, does your mayor, um, a lady, I believe, right? Does she support this initiative? Or is this something that Parisians have always supported? Is the idea of being resilient? No, that's quite new, actually. And it's thanks to this uh, international programs that Paris embraced as uh, this concept, despite the fact that Paris motto uh is a perfect definition of resilience. Uh, it's Latin, uh, fluctuat nec mergitur, and it means the boat is tossed by the storm but never sinks. Uh, and it has been the motto for centuries. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but the mayor is really supportive. You know, Anne Hidalgo, the mayor of Paris, is really committed in facing with uh, courage these challenges, even if it's not always popular. Uh, for instance, she wants to ban the cars from the city to protect the health of the people because of her pollution. This is not really popular, but she's doing things. And that's, I think, what the Parisians ex ex expect. So, Sebastian, um, we talk a lot about the challenges here locally, but paint a picture for our, our audience. What are some of the big environmental challenges or challenges from climate change facing the people of Paris? The main one is uh, we have to adapt the city to heat waves. Paris, as you know, it's, it's a kind of icon for its architecture and so on, but it's mineral. It's not green at all. There is no water, there is not enough green spaces. It's completely mineral and it's a, a kind of oven in summer and we know that it's going to be worse and worse in the coming decades. So we definitely need to adapt the city because each heat wave, we're talking about hundreds of deaths of mm -hmm. elderly uh, because of heat waves. Um, our schools are not adapted. So if we want to guarantee the, the best education for the children despite climate change, we definitely need to adapt our infrastructure. It's a long-term journey, but we started with this resilience strategy. And y'all also had a bad flood. Is that true too? You had a river flood too, unexpected? Actually, it was not a bad one for Paris. It was kind of a middle-sized one, but we're expecting a main one. We know that it's going to happen, which is a question is just when. And uh, it will cost something like 100 billion euros uh, and we'll need five to 10 years to recover. Uh, and we're not prepared enough uh, so far. So part of my job working with tons of stakeholders uh, is try to, to better prepare the city and the territory to face this event. So when you came to um, Ten Across and when you come here, what is your impression of Louisiana and how we're dealing with these environmental issues? Um, I I'm feeling that you guys are really advanced on these issues uh, or that we are really late. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll take um, the <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, um, to seeing all these people working together 
from the public sector, the private sector, researchers, NGOs, uh, already invested together on a process that is so wide in the country, um, that is so uh, relevant about the, the issues, like the, taking into account in the same time too much water or not enough water. Uh, we are just starting in France. We, we, we are maybe this kind of reflection just uh, appeared at least at the political level one or two years ago. Uh, so we're late, and I think we definitely have to learn from you guys. And you also have to figure out how to pay for plans just like us, too, right? I mean, like you said, a, a disaster costs a lot of money, but to put a plan in place to save that money also costs money, too. So those are things that you have to think about? Sure. But um, anyway, that's the power of, of the resilience approach. Anyway, the city is spending money, money all the time. So the thing is that do we need extra money? Or do we need to make this money more resilient in, in, in its focus? So it, it, we're talking about designing infrastructure projects, designing public policies. If we include the resilience approach from the beginning, we can use the same money and not extra money. And th this is something uh, Sebastian and I have talked about for a long time, is that if you look at, in our instance, state budget or city budget or parish budget, you know, state, city of New Orleans, city of Baton Rouge, different parishes, we have capital improvement programs. So we spend, as a state, and if you add all of the governments together, billions of dollars every year right. on capital projects, right. Exactly. right? Why can't we just figure out how to use that more effectively? I mean, it's not, it doesn't have to be an add-on. It's how are we using the money that we already have to be effective? And I think that is going to be a big challenge for cities around the world, cities in this country, states, to really examine how are we using the money that we already have and how could we use it better to achieve the things that we're talking about uh, to protect our coast, to protect our people, to invest in infrastructure. I mean, we have money. It's just about how we use that money and how do we prioritize it. I think this kind of goes back to what you guys started off in the beginning. Yeah, I agree. And, and certainly it costs so much more later, mm -hmm. right? Whether you added on or whether you experienced Absolutely. that disaster. And they had some folks yesterday at Santa Cross talking about that from the reinsurance market about how expensive these things cost. And, and they were saying billions like it was no big deal, right? I mean, hundreds of billions of dollars on the back end in insurance claims and, and those kinds of things too. So uh, we're going to have y'all back for the next segment for a little while. We'll wrap up and then um, and then we'll send y'all off. We'll send Sebastian off to the city yeah. to experience <laughs> yeah, it. I hear you want to go down to Frenchman Street, uh, check out some jazz while you're here. <laughs> Yeah, sure, yeah. definitely. You're uh, you're a fan of Treme, the show, right? Is that where you kind of first kind of got into our job, uh, our job, or at least start to learn about some of our places? Yeah, I, I love this TV serial, and I definitely want to visit the neighborhood. I don't know if it's possible, but I guess I'd be able to. And I want to go to a jazz club, of course. <laughs> well, I, I think you have a pretty good uh, guide here, and and Jeff, so I'm sure you'll have a great night. Um, we have one segment left, um, uh, so we'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. 
So today we're talking, I mean, we're talking about connections, right? And how to make connections in the spite of challenges to find opportunities. And, and you know, I, we were talking earlier with you, Jeff, a little bit about the 10 Across conference and, you know, finding the connections across the I-10 corridor to some of these challenges. Um, and I'm sure there's like a lot of great content, a lot of great discussion, discovery. So what happens now? Um, what happens with some of the folks that have been um, included in this? And, and where do you see, foresee this going? So, so the first thing I'll say is um, uh, this is a commitment uh, a, a multi-year commitment to the 10 across project. So it's starting with water. There are other issues around housing and transportation, and other things that will be a part of this, but we started around water and uh, you're going to go back and forth between Louisiana and Arizona. So the next conference will be in Arizona. Then they'll come back to Louisiana for the conference after that. So that's a commitment between Louisiana and Arizona to do that. Um, what we've already started talking about is between conferences, uh, particularly for us being the, the Water Institute and for Arizona State, both being research institutions, what are the joint projects that we want to do together to study the issues along I-10 and then start bringing that to the next conference, which will be in Arizona, and then in that next period, then bring it back to Louisiana. So there's a lot that we can do there. Um, the participants, we want to make sure we form a connection between everybody because you know, uh, Justin Aaronworth, who's uh, the CEO of the Water Institute, who's been on the show before, mm -hmm. we've had this conversation, and, and we think that the Water Institute, um, as a non-governmental, uh, independent uh, research, applied research institute, part of our mission uh, is to be a, con a convener, and uh, our role uh, in 10X is to be the convener for Louisiana and connecting us to uh, Arizona, Arizona State, and then to other entities around the world. So that's that's our value add to this. Um, and then being able to take that information uh, and then put it into sort of a research platform of what we want to do. So they're sort of the side of this where we got everybody together to talk. All notes were being taken on all of that. Uh, and then there's the other side of what's the actual research out of that that can help Louisiana uh, look forward to developing solutions for the problems that we have. So before we turn you guys loose into the city, you know, it's a rite of passage that we have to ask you a fun question, um, you know, to make, uh, like you said, make, make uh, some uh, fun of some serious topics. So um, the fun question is, what was your favorite drink at Happy's last night? <laughs> Sebastian, did you get to try some Louisiana spirits? No, but an amber beer? <laughs> Uh -huh. Oh, it be was very good. That counts. <laughs> good choice. Y'all trained him well. Yes, it, it was the amber. I, I, he, he wanted a local beer. I said, well, this is the one that's known, not any disrespect to any of the other beers, <laughs> but people always talk about a beta amber, so you have to have a beta amber. So he had amber. And Jeff, are you a mint julep, a Sazerac? Oh, no, I vodka tonic. Nice. Okay. That's, that's my jam. <laughs> that's your jam we are so grateful that you guys came on the show thank you for being here i hope you enjoy the city yeah. uh we will certainly enjoy your city when we come <laughs> um, sure you're welcome oh thank you so much <laughs> i know and i know it's been a very busy week for you guys so we really appreciate you we taking do. the time and hope you have a lot of fun tonight i mean we love new orleans obviously because of the culture and, and the spirit of the city just like paris is a city like no other and so um, you know, what a better way to end, you know, your time here than to go out and celebrate it and see it firsthand. So. Well, we're, um, thank you for inviting. I'm 
Come back anytime. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> open door. I hope you guys find a parade. You know that there's random parades on, on <laughs> random sure. nights. I'm sure we will find one somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, CSI New Orleans. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they're filming. filming. Maybe there's like a bachelor or bachelorette party that, they're you know. Filming, they're filming a movie in our neighborhood and um, they film they've filmed so many here now because mm-hmm. tax credits and those kinds of things that nobody thinks nothing of it, but. Um, our park where we play baseball and Josh Dumel and Megan Fox were filming a movie in the mm. corner and we were playing baseball in the other corner. So <laughs> I can't, kind of I can't thing. compete with that, but I will say I was just walking down Royal street on a random Saturday and I saw a parade of T-Rexes and I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bunch of guys dressed up in T-Rex costumes. I guess you can pay to do a parade as a T-Rex. I think you just have to get a city permit. Right? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about Okay, that. We won't go into that. But yeah, so I, I wish you all the best and hope that you find your parade tonight. And if not, yeah. you'll certainly uh, have you, some good may music. You, may yeah. you find your own parade tonight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you'll be making the parade. Who knows? Yeah, you'll, right. be leading, <laughs> you'll be leading it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, yeah, guys. Thanks, guys. Um, and Simone, so what do we have going on? Oh, man. So let's talk a little bit more about restoration on the hashtag. Yes. It's coming up in less than two weeks. Um, and so the State of the uh, Coast Conference, a three-day event in New Orleans. Um, and they're having a an kind of entry into mm-hmm. Coastal, if you want to talk the layman's version of it, right? Yeah, and we talked to Corey Miller with um, CRCL about this last week, but it really is, you know, an opportunity for anyone to learn more about coastal issues, right? Whether you're a teacher, whether you're someone who has just followed the news and you're like, I really want to kind of understand re- what's going on. Um, and so they'll have some experts and panels and presentations. Um, Alessia Renfro with National Wildlife Federation, who's been on the show a bunch. Bren Haas with the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority, also been on the show. Briefing guest. Um, Corey Miller, of course, was on last week. And then Colette Pichon Battle. I guess um, we need to have her on. We need to have her on, <laughs> certainly. Um, so it's a really great opportunity. It's $25. You can go to stateofthecoast.org to register. It's Friday, June 1st um, at the convention center. Yeah, I love the topics that they have. So, you know, they, they talk about... You you know, strategies to combat land loss, right? The problems um, which lead you to the master plan and, and how we can implement uh, those restoration and protection strategies, what it's going to look like for the next generation, which is really important, and then how you yourself can engage and take action. Yeah. So I love it. They hit all the highlights. And then there's also going to be a panel discussion by some people that are close to us. Jonathan Foray, guest mm-hmm. on the show, South mm-hmm. Louisiana Wetlands Discovery Ryan Lambert, another guest. Ryan Lambert, another guest. He was one early on. We need to have Mm -hmm. him back. Uh, Chief Thomas Dardar, United Home and Nation, um, and then some other folks. So I think that's great. We um, can't talk about it enough because I think it's a great way for somebody who maybe can't spend three days or is, um, you know, wants that kind of entry into some of the biggest discussions. Well, and you know, I couldn't uh, end the show without talking about the birds. (laughs) So we've got some bird activities happening this weekend down in Grand Isle, the Beach Nesting Bird Conservation Workshop. It's this Saturday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You'll learn from Audubon. Yeah, it's a free event. Learn from biologists about how to care for beach nesting birds and really why it's important to do that. What a great place Um, to do it. You'll learn about restoration, see some restoration uh, projects. So if you're interested, get in touch with Nick Dixon. It's N-D-I-X-O-N at Audubon.org. Uh, this Saturday in Grand Isle. Good. And you can, oh, we should make Jeff and Sebastian take the quiz, what kind of Louisianian are you? Mm. So you you answer a couple of questions, and it tells you your Louisiana personality. So I forgot. you're. A, I'm a little Louis. Little Louis. Yeah. I was not a crew captain, but I certainly could have been. You're a who dad. A who dad, yeah. right. And yeah. my husband was 
the like, uh, he was the uh, the one he refuses to believe he was. But we'll, you have to take it very we'll, funny. You we'll follow some up questions yeah. about what your favorite Cajun animal is. You know, we're we've only things. done half the quiz with BJ, yeah, we have, so I we're gonna BJ's have to get him to complete us. the quiz because we don't know who he is. He's a hoodat. We all know that. Yeah, he's a hoodat. Um, so yeah, upcoming shows. Um, we're gonna be at live at State of the Coast in two Yay. weeks. Um, and yeah, we're excited. You're going on vacation soon. I right? am. I am. I need a vacation. Oh, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> You're leaving me solo, just like I left you. Well, another great show. Thank you all for listening and yes, tuning in. Of course, you can always go online deltadispatches.org. Subscribe. Um, rate the podcast. We love that. Only um, good. And check out the old episodes. I mean, we're at 54, 55. Oh, I was- just about to say what a great 50th show happy 50th show we'll never get past 50 <laughs> no we won't um, alright well thank you to our guests and thank you to li- for listening um, you've been listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM